0: Thank you, ladies. A very simple, uh, beautiful song with a great message, and appreciate the uh, the singing. And appreciate the practice. Thank you, church, for uh, the invitation to to come back. And uh, always enjoy being here, um, <clears throat> especially in winter, in this frigid frigid weather. Uh, but as I said this morning, Brother Paul, I'm not going to mention the football from the other night. I don't. That would not be fair to mention 50 to six again. So I'm just not going to do it. And um, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I was thinking, Andrew. I was thinking of bringing my blues cap, but I don't want to get mugged. That that would be terrible to get mugged, you know, at a at a nice church like this. Um, but uh, <coughs> I, uh, <coughs> strange things happen. I've been on the road now. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier in the year when I was here, but. Uh, over 30 years in evangelism and over 40 years preaching and funny things happen at times I was in a preaching at a church called Fellowship Baptist in Hamilton, New Zealand I've been preached there many times but this is oh, probably seven or eight years ago now, I was staying with the pastor and his family and they were meeting in a school have a beautiful, their own beautiful building now but they met in this school for um, uh, for many years, it's Hamilton is a fairly large city south of Auckland and our Hour and a half south of Auckland, and we got to uh, the school um, early to, uh, you know, to set up and and so on. It was just the pastor and his wife and kids, and and I was there. Robin wasn't there with me, and I so I went to the bathroom, and it was a school um, uh, teacher's bathroom. So I went in the bathroom and. Looked a little bit strange. There were only cubicles there. So anyway, I'm coming out to go out, and the pastor's wife walked in. And I think the colour drained from my face. I said, This is not the lady's toilet, is it? She said, Yes. Oh man. <laughs> there was no there was nothing on the door. It wasn't a, actually a, you know, he and her sign on the door. I just picked the wrong bathroom. Do you know how hard it is to preach? After, uh, and, and to be honest, and she, and this, this is a lovely family, but um, I could just imagine what she was thinking. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to preach after coming out of the wrong, out of the ladies' bathroom? <laughs> well, that wasn't the worst story about bathrooms. Just, uh, just over a week ago, we had uh, flying up to Darwin, as I mentioned this morning, and I was in the Qantas Club at Alice Springs. It's a, it's a little, but a nice, nice lounge and uh And so I went into the nearest bathroom, which was the disabled bathroom um, and uh, and I go to go out of the bathroom and go to use the door. the door handle comes off <laughs> This is a solid door day like this is a big solid door i'm trying to it didn't come right off it was just hanging down loose couldn't undo the lock planes. I had a little, b- little bit before the plane was taking off. Well, what do you do? Thankfully, now, if I, uh, I try now, any bathroom I go to, I take my phone with me. So I looked up on, thankfully, I had some phone coverage, and I went through, I found Qantas Club, Alice Springs, no answer. <laughs> and it was one of those, um, one of those bathrooms that, the uh, sensor light, you know, the lights go out. So I had to keep moving around to keep the light on. And I don't know about you, but I get a bit claustrophobic. I'm sitting in this loo, standing in the loo next to the door, trying to figure out: do, do I shoulder charge this door? No, that's not going to work. So I just started knocking. But there's only, you know, four or five people in the whole lounge. It was really quiet. No one there. Finally, finally, after several attempts, I got through to the lady on the on the desk. You know, at the check, uh, the Corners Club. There's like a sort of like a little desk, check-in desk where they check your ticket and all that sort of stuff. Hello, this is Mr, Mr. Young here, and um, this may seem a little bit uh, silly, but I'm only about 15 or 20 feet from you, but I'm stuck in the loo. Could you please come and <laughs> rescue me? <laughs> so now whenever I go into a loo, and I lock, I'm, I'm a bit terrified of loos now. <laughs> I either need to take a pager or a phone or something. Um, so um, <clears throat> anyway, that's uh, you, you get stories. Like I could tell you a lot of stories about stupid things I've done or... <laughs> But you have to laugh at these things. Well, let's take our Bibles, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, tonight will not be a sermon. It's a little outline that I've been working on for a a few weeks now. But uh, I haven't actually given this before. It'll be more like a talk or a study or or a ramble. Call it whatever you want. But I trust it will be a blessing to you. It was a blessing to me. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Thank you, dear Lord, for the beautiful day. We do pray and ask that you will bless our time in the word of God uh, now. Pray that you will control my thoughts. May I say what you want me to say. And Lord, just as importantly, may I not say what you don't want me to say. I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill me for this time and control uh, what I say. And we pray that you'll draw us closer to you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about the Apostle Paul, um, looking back on Paul, the great missionary, the great apostle, born out of time, the great—he uh, uh, <clears throat> was, you know, the great uh, church planter uh, and, and so on, uh, <clears throat> the great theologian. Uh, we look at him, and, and, and we're tempted to think that he was like this superstar. You know, six foot three, big bushy head of hair, uh, booming voice. Uh, you know, maybe he owned had a, a a racing sports camel, black Amex, and he had all these invitations to speak at conferences all over the Middle East. You know, and we could be very it'd be very easy to think of Paul as like a superstar. Uh, one of the hot, they used to call him the hotshot preachers uh, in America. Uh, they were always hotshot preachers. And, 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 and oftentimes a lot of those hot shot preachers didn't last very long. Most probably only had a couple of sermons that they got out of the sword of the Lord. But anyway, but the Bible actually tells us a bit about, this is what Paul is saying, what he was like. Uh, <clears throat> come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, keep a bookmark in Timothy. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. Talking to the church at Corinth here, he says, For his letters, 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech contemptible. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What was he saying to the church at Corinth there? Yeah, yeah, his letters, his letters bear weight, but look at the fella. <laughs> look at the fella. What, what, well, we don't know what he looks like. I'm guessing he was a bit scrawny. Um, maybe, uh, uh, you know, he did, didn't have the, the, the booming voice that, that, that Greg has. Nothing like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. Even unto this present hour. Oh, sorry, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 10. We are fools for Christ. For Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honourable, but we are despised even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands being reviled we bless being persecuted we suffer it being defamed we entreat we are made as the filth of the world and are the off scouring of all things under this day said, so this is uh, this is the truth church he says this is how i'm treated i'm seen as a fool weak despised we're always hungry, we're always thirsty, we're always naked. In other words, they you never had enough clothes to wear. We don't have any particular place that we can call home. We are reviled, persecuted, defamed. We are seen as filth and offscouring. That's the Apostle Paul, that's the reality of Paul. Now we revere him today and we look up to him as the great theologian. But that was the truth about how so many looked at Paul at the time. Back here to first, uh, sorry, Second Timothy chapter one. Here's my first point this evening. This is the sad situation. Look at verse number eight. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Paul was in prison. Now this is the the uh, the last epistle or letter that the apostle Paul was going to write or pen under inspiration of the Spirit of God. This is the Second Timothy. If we get to the last part of the book don't turn there but he says I've finished my course I'm I'm ready to go he was in prison and not long after this he was to have his head chopped off we believe at the hand of Nero and uh, of course prison today no prison is good no prison is good but at least today there are some uh, uh, there's a semblance of uh, humanity in prison have a bed and blankets and a, a washroom and, and, you know, meals and that's probably a television and stuff. Not, not in Paul's day. Now, I've been to Rome many times. Uh, supposedly, Rome, uh, Paul ended up in the Mamertine prison. I don't know whether that's the truth or not, but he was definitely in prison in Rome somewhere. And my guess is that the prison wasn't real good. If you were lucky, there was an earthenware bucket or pot on the side. That was the toilet and who knows how often that was emptied. I'd say it was full of vermin, rats, mice, cockroaches, lice. Um, I'd say it was hot in summer. And I'd say it was freezing cold in winter. We know it was cold because a couple of chapters over, Paul says, listen, can you bring my cloak? Can you bring my cloak? It's really cold here. Chained, either chained to a Roman guard or, or chained to the wall or whatever humiliated. You say, did Paul, did Paul have doubts? I'm sure he did. John the Baptist had doubts when he was in prison. And Jesus said, there's no one greater than John the Baptist that's walked on the face of the earth. He had his doubts. Uh, you say, did Paul have doubts? The Bible doesn't say that, but I imagine he did. He's human. And that's why we are commanded to remember those that are in bonds always remember those that are in bonds you say what is anyone in bonds today maybe not in this country although that might come but around the world most probably thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians are being slaughtered uh, martyred and are kept in bonds in different places around the world so always pray for those that are in prison for the name of Christ but his situation was was pretty sad and then secondly, there was not just a sad situation, there were some sorry individuals. Look at verse 15 here, verse 15. He says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Homogenes. Uh <clears throat> sorry individuals. Hey, imagine, uh, uh, you know, if I, if I say some of these names, what, what comes to mind? Idi Amin, he wasn't a good fella. Um, Ronald Biggs, what was he famous for? The oldies here, Ronald Biggs? The train robber, yeah. Um, <clears> OJ <throat> Simpson, He's not known, he was known for being a good footballer but now he's known for bad things. Um, obviously Adolf Hitler and, and so on, we could go on the huge list. You know, imagine being named in the Bible. Imagine being named in the Bible for the wrong reason. Of course, there's many rotters in the Bible. There was Herod, there was Pharaoh, there was Judas Iscariot, there was Ahab, there was Jezebel, there was uh, Cain, there was Demas, there was uh, heaps and heaps of names. There was Amnon and and, and Jonadab and and so on. Added to this list were two, (coughs) Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Bible says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Hey, don't get your name mentioned for all the wrong reasons. Who were the all they which are in Asia? All they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Who was the all they? that? Well, we don't know. We're only guessing here. But I imagine that, see, when Paul went to Rome, don't turn there, but in uh, in Acts chapter 28, uh, when Paul made it to Rome, he was in his own hired house for two years. He had a a relative amount of freedom and uh, the Bible says people came in and he ministered to to people in his own hired house and and I imagine that his his reputation preceded him and then while the going was good uh, that 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 Paul the great uh, the great man Paul this controversial uh, preacher but the great man Paul who wrote with such authority that uh, people would have come to see him now, news obviously travelled a lot slower in those days than it does today, but news would have filtered through and, and, and so on and, and I'm sure that there are many, many people uh, came and and learnt from Paul and ministered to Paul and befriended Paul and learned from Paul. But when the tide turned and, and Nero said, put that fella in jail, He's, we're going to chop his head off, Paul sadly says, all they that be in Asia are turned away from me. That is really sad. That is really sad. When the circumstances changed, when the hard times came for Paul, all they that were in Asia have turned away from me. Everyone. Everyone except a couple that we'll mention in just a moment. Or one fellow in particular. Why did these people turn away from Paul? Why do do church people or Christians turn away from leadership, from pastors and leaders? Why do they do this? Well, it doesn't actually say. It doesn't actually say who these people were and it doesn't actually say why they turned away. But we can have a pretty good guess at that. Maybe it was a rumour concerning Paul. Maybe it was a rumour, maybe the rumours started floating that, uh, you know, Paul wasn't as good as we thought he was, or he'd done something really bad, and that that way, because of that, he was going to have his head chopped off. Maybe it was a rumour, and and that wouldn't surprise me. One of Satan's greatest tactics in the local church is rumours, discord, rumours, allegations. Lies, half-truths. You know, Satan's very good at introducing these things because he's the father of lies. There's always rumours against leadership. Maybe this is the pastor's greatest problem, dealing with rumours, half-truths, either against him or the church or someone in the church. Hey, why, why why do we believe people just because they say something? My father-in-law is 91, heading towards 92, and he may not remember this now, he has dementia, but, but he, he said for years and years, he, he always had this saying: "Believe half of what you see and nothing of what you hear, and you'll be pretty close to the truth." Uh, why do we believe what someone has said? You know, past, pastors are, are always are always fighting against rumors. They're always fighting against rumors. Now you say, well, but what, what if what if it's true? What if the pastor did this or did that? Well, the Bible has very clear instructions on what we are to do if the pastor's messed up. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, just a, just a page back. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 19. Here are the instructions for a church if there is an apparent misdemeanor or something that the pastor has done wrong chapter 5 and 1st Timothy 5 19 against an elder now the word elder there uh, <clears throat> we could we could put the word pastor or we could put the word bishop I believe they can be used interchangeably so we'll just use the word elder or pastor whatever you want against an elder receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses in other words people who saw what happened with their own eyes or heard what was said with their own ears that's witnesses okay now if you if, you, if there's one eyewitness uh, that's not enough the Bible says there has to be two two eyewitnesses or earwitnesses is that is that is that a word ear witness? <laughs> you know what I'm saying there has to be two if you want to bring in an accusation against a pastor there needs to be two. Someone says, well, what, what if something took place and only one person saw it? Shouldn't you treat that seriously? For sure. But this is, you know, <clears throat> you know God sees everything that goes on. God knows. He knows what's going on. And, and God will sort out his under-shepherds. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. I didn't make these instructions up. These are God's instructions. Most of the time, now I'm not saying pastors don't mess up and, and, and do things that they shouldn't and, and there's, you know, there's things that happen there and they need to be dealt with. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. And, but, and I've been to churches, not this church, but I've been to churches where things like that have, have happened and sometimes they've been dealt with well and sometimes they haven't been dealt with well. And I don't want to get too far into that, but rumours are the thing <coughs> Rumours are the things that will destroy a church. You know, normally a church will not split because of doctrine. Sometimes it does, but nine times out of ten, it's not doctrine. It's a rumour. It's a rumour. Someone says, he said that. Or he did that. Or I don't like what he's done. Hey, you know, church, now this church is a wonderful church. Keep supporting your pastor. When the new pastor comes, support your pastor biblically. They need extra care because their burden is great. The burden of a pastor, and I may be getting a little bit off track here, but it doesn't matter. <clears throat> we'll find a verse to fit somewhere. But, you know, the burden of a pastor is great. You know, what do they do? You know, when you go to work, when you go to work, uh, do they use time clocks anymore? Does anyone clock on? What do you have at your work day? Do, you do you have to clock on? No? They trust you. They trust you, they're a trustworthy man, see? <laughs> when I started working in 1980 at Hawker de Havilland as an apprentice, we had the, you know, the little, your clock on? Who remembers those things? And then when you leave, you've got a clock off again. Actually, my daughter, uh, Sarah, she's a stay-at-home mum now, but for years she worked at Centrelink in Coffs Harbour, and you had to log in. I think a lot of you would do that. You log in, and every second is logged. So uh, it's sort of a big brotherish now. It's most probably a good thing for the public service because uh, <laughs> in the old days, when you used to clock on, it was very easy to take a two-hour lunch or, a, you know, I forget what I'm saying now. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> you, clock, you know, a pastor doesn't come in to you know whether it was Pastor Nathan or Pastor Hernan, whatever. They don't come on the clock on right nine o'clock. Clock on, get to five o'clock. Clock on, clock off. Go home now. Phone rings at 11 o'clock at night. The pastor says, hello, hello, this is this is brother so-and-so and um, something bad has happened in the family. Can I come and see you? Sorry, I've clocked off. <laughs> <laughs> Make an appointment tomorrow at nine o'clock. Doesn't work like that for a pastor. Two o'clock in the morning. Hello, pastor. I can't sleep. I need to talk to you now. I need to talk to you. Sorry, can't. I don't clock on, you know. <laughs> it's really hard for a pastor because they don't clock off. They never clock off. They might have a few weeks' vacation a year, and even then, sometimes someone will have to contact them about something that's gone on. But see, that builds pressure. Now I know from the past, if I'm I'm not speaking to pastors now. I do I speak to a lot of pastors and, and try and help them. I'm not a pastor, okay? that's not my gift, I'm an evangelist I've done a bit of pastoring and who knows, I might do a bit in the future, I don't know but I'm an evangelist and uh, they say that evangelist comes in and causes all problems and leaves, you know (laughs) well I trust I don't I don't want to do that, I don't think I do Um, you can usually tell if an evangelist doesn't get get invited back that's usually what's happened but Speaking to pastors, yes, I can say, listen, here are some ideas that might, might help you in the ministry. You know, this, have a schedule, this, that, have a, have a, someone you can trust, have other pastors you can, you know, and listen, take little mini holidays through the day or through the week and, and whatever, just try and, you know, and, and don't try, and I tell pastors, don't try and preach a masterpiece sermon every sermon because you're going to wear yourself out. You know, you don't need a nine-course meal every time you eat. Sometimes a cheese sandwich is fine, it'll keep you alive. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's nice to have a masterpiece sermon with, you know, three beautiful alliterated outlines and a story, sad story at the end and that's nice. But sometimes you just need a, a feed from God's Word, it doesn't have to be spectacular. That's fine, that's fine. And I tell pastors that, look, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to preach a world famous sermon, every sermon. Just let, let God lead. And sometimes you, you speak enough, and that's enough. But I'm not. I'm speaking here mainly to just church members. But your pastor's under a lot of pressure. As soon as he says, as soon as he says, Amen, see you Wednesday night or whenever, bang, the pressure's back onto him. He's got to prepare a message for Wednesday night. Sunday school for Sunday morning for Sunday night and most probably school and all sorts. Of, the pressure is back on, and there is a certain pressure there in the ministry. And so, when you add on top of that, rumours. Oh, I don't know what I don't know what he said. I don't know if I agree with what he said last week. Well, that's fine. I, that's fine. You, you're going to find a perfect pastor. You won't find a perfect pastor. You're going to find someone you agree with 100% of the time. I don't agree with myself 100% of the time. But just be very careful. Otherwise, you can become like all they in Asia. All they in Asia. As I said, we don't quite know the reason why they left Paul. But it may have been because of rumours, stories, stories. You know, pastors always, they need an extra portion of mercy. I read this uh, uh, little thing from Spurgeon, I think it was yesterday, and it's very interesting. When you look at, when you look at the, the epistles, and the epistle, as I said, means letter, the Pauline epistles means Paul's letters to the churches, and there are the general epistles. So we've got 1 Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, Philemon, And then every single, and I and I did this, I went through every single one of these books, and Paul had a customary greeting to these people or these churches, and it was always grace and peace. You can check it out, read it sometime. Grace and peace. But there are three epistles are called the pastoral epistles: First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. The pastoral epistles. And in each of those three, guess what his greeting is? Grace, mercy, and peace. So obviously, pastors, and call them pastors, elders, bishops, call them what you want. It's all basically the same role there. An elder basically means someone that's spiritually mature. A bishop means someone that's his position. He he takes the oversight, it means an overseer. And of course, pastor means shepherd. All rolled up, just different words for the one. A bishop is not some bloke with a big hat that sits in a, an office somewhere in a city. It nothing to do with the Bible. But he said, listen, you preachers, you pastors, you elders, you need some mercy as well as grace and peace. And this is what Spurgeon said. I've got his little quote here. He said, did you ever notice this one thing about Christian ministers that they need even more mercy than other people? Although everybody needs mercy, ministers need it more than anybody else. And so, we, uh, and so we do. For if we are not faithful, we shall be greater sinners even than our hearers. And it needs much grace for us always to be faithful. And much mercy will be required to cover our shortcomings. So I shall take those three things to myself, grace, mercy, and peace. You may have the two, grace and peace, but I need mercy more than any of you. So I take it from my Lord's loving hand and I will trust and not be afraid, despite all my shortcomings and feebleness and blunders and mistakes in the course of my whole ministry. Charles Spurgeon. Maybe all they in Asia left him because they were fearful of being imprisoned. And, that's, and that could be true. That could be true. Now, Paul said in the, back here in Timothy, he said, God hasn't given us the, the spirit of fear but some Christians do fear and maybe uh, they didn't want to be associated with Paul because they valued their own necks. Maybe it was pressure from unsaved family members. That's, that could be the reason too. But whatever it was, they, they left Paul. Now, who was for jealous and who was Hermogenes? Who knows? Who knows? All we know is that they were most probably friends of Paul and all was good when he had his own hired house but when the heat was applied and Paul was condemned to die, he was thrown into prison and they fled. Well, here's the second part of my message, and I'll try and finish soon. No, uh, observe the word try. I'll try and finish soon. But um, <clears throat> um, he had a sincere friend, a sincere friend, and we read about this fellow here. Uh, verse 16 the Lord give mercy under the house of Anisiphorus now you pronounce that name however you want I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that name I'm just going to say Anisiphorus. you say it however you want to say it but why was he such a good friend here's the first reason it says that he refreshed Paul he oft refreshed me verse 16 he oft refreshed me. Uh, some. How did he do this? Maybe it was physically. Maybe he brought food to Paul. Maybe he brought clothing uh, or a blanket or something. Maybe it was spiritual, refreshing. I don't know. just says he was a great refreshment to Paul. It's like uh, uh, some people are refreshers. It's like when you're doing the mowing of a summer's afternoon and, uh, and, and, and the missus brings out a nice glass of water. Hey, that's cool. I remember as a little kid, we grew up on the central coast of New South Wales at a place called Budj And and um, I mean, back in those days, we we had power, but we didn't have a fan, we didn't have a heater, we I think we had the phone on, we didn't even have a septic system. That's a bit of history for you. We had the Sano cans. Who remembers those? Any old timers here? Yeah, those were the days, and that was every little boy's ultimate profession: being a Sano man. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But I remember on those hot summer nights, sticky nights, no fan, you can't sleep. But all of a sudden, because the windows are open, and there's a rustle in the curtains. And within a few minutes, the southerly buster comes through. And so me and my brother Lyndon would be in our shorty pyjamas, just like this, out there, you know, late at night, just in the... You know what it's like when that You don't get southerly busters in Brisbane, do you? Anyway, down south you do. You get southerly busters and that cold wind comes through. I mean, I'm waiting for a southerly buster now. It's hot out there today. I'm just waiting for the cold to come through so I can stand out there and just, not in my pyjamas, but just stand out there and get some cool, you know. But uh, um, uh, refreshing, refreshing. Paul said, this fellow, Anisi Forrest, he refreshed me. He refreshed me some Christians are like that, there's some Christians you just love to meet, now there's other Christians are like the hot wind off the desert, (laughs) you ever thought of that, you know that hot wind of the desert, you come out, out we come out of our air conditioning in summer now and bang that hot wind hits you, I'm going back inside, you know and some some Christians are like that hopefully no one here a good shepherd but some Christians are like that and when you 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 can see that hot wind coming you you duck away and hide because <laughs> they're not refreshing hey we need to be refreshing Christians Christians that bring joy to others Christians that bring blessing to others now how did he refresh paul if if you've been asleep for this sermon that's fine Thank you for not snoring. But if you've been asleep for this sermon, that's fine. But I want you to get this thing. Verse 17. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Now, again, it's one of these things. This fellow, as we'll we'll see in just a second, um, Anisiphorus was from the church at Ephesus. Now, I did a little Google search From Ephesus to Rome was about 2,000 kilometres. That's a long way. I don't know how he got there by boat or camel or whatever. I don't know. But it's a long way. But he came to Rome. Rome was probably full of... uh, Rome was a big city in those days. Rome full of jails and, and he sought Paul out. You know what he did? He visited Paul. He was a visit... Not just a visitor. He was a visitor. Someone who visits... Did he keep visiting Paul? I'm sure he did. He most probably kept going back. If you want to start a ministry, you know how you start a ministry? little secret here. You visit. If you want to grow a ministry, you know how you grow a ministry? You visit. If you want to maintain a ministry, you know how you maintain a ministry? You visit. That's what ministry, a lot of ministry is all about visiting. Putting yourself out, Giving your time to others to visit. You know, I spend my entire life preaching, traveling, and visiting. I'm not saying I'm a great Christian, I'm not saying I'm a great preacher and all any of that stuff. But I've spent decade after decade visiting people. Just one-on-one. One-on-one. Uh if you wanna have a fruitful ministry, if you whatever that ministry might be, it doesn't have to be like a public ministry in, in pulpit, you need to visit. If you're a youth worker, you need to visit. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you need to visit. If you're a preacher, you need to visit. If you're a church member, as much as you can, you need to visit. Visit, 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 visit. I could tell you so many stories um, about visiting. Because sometimes, I mean, you can, you can witness to someone and occasionally this happens, you'll witness to someone and they'll get saved just like that. But most Aussies are really hard. They are hard-hearted. And if you want to reach someone for Christ, guess what? You need to visit and visit and visit. There's a lady in our church, her name is Gillian Trithewy. She's a lovely lady. She's, uh, I think she's in her 70s now, which is still young. But uh, her husband, Warren, um, I think he passed away at least 10 years ago. But I'm going back now about almost 40 years. The, the old man, it was an old man named John Hughes, and he started the Coffs Harbour Bible Church. It was the Coffs Harbour Christian Fellowship at that time. He was saved later in life. He led my wife, Robin, to the Lord when I, I didn't know her at the time. She was a teenager. Started a youth group, then started a church. And uh, Brother John Hughes was this incredible. He, he worked at the local produce store from, from memory. And uh, he found, I mean, he preached for years, but he found preaching hard. It didn't come easy to him. But he was a superb soul winner. And I remember he, he I don't know where he found Gillian and, uh, Warren and Gillian Trithui. I'm not sure where he found them, but, but he visited. And, and the first few visits I think I've got this right. They basically said to him, please, go away. We're not interested in Christianity. Just leave. Go. Well, old John Hughes, he just kept going back. (laughs) I would have given up, but he just kept going back. I don't know how many dozens of times he went back over a few years. I remember my very first 1980, I was married in January 83. Middle of 1983 was uh, my very, very first Evangelist mission, and it was in Coffs Harbour. I think my, I did it with my brother in law. We did both, we sort of did tandem preaching, and I think he's still got the little flyer that they um, produced for these meetings. But I remember one afternoon we went down to visit Warren and Gillian. They weren't saved at that stage, and, but they weren't anti. They were sort of warming up to the things of the Lord, and we visited them. They didn't get saved then. John Hughes kept visiting and kept visiting, and eventually, after several years, They trusted Christ and Gillian is now one of the, as Warren's gone to be with the Lord, Gillian is one of the rock solid pillars of our church. Because one old man just kept visiting and wouldn't take no for an answer. Um, You need to visit. I could tell you a lot of stories, we don't have time whether it's door knocking for contacts or whether it's following up contacts or whether it's visiting other Christians, and I'm putting it all in the one the one pile here, whether it's visiting older people or, or, or whatever it is, just visit. Someone says, well, I'm not the visiting type. Well, none of us are really. I'd prefer to relax. I would. I'd prefer to put my feet up and relax. Someone says, well, well I, I, I don't know what to say. Well, well, neither do I. Neither do I. I reckon Anisiphorus most probably didn't get much of a word in with Paul. (laughs) I'd say he did an awful lot of listening. Again, I'm just guessing here, just reading between the lines of the text here. I reckon he did an awful lot of listening. But Paul said, Anisiphorus, he refreshed me oft. Again and again and again. He was like that cool southerly breeze. He was like that glass of cool water on a hot summer's day. He was refreshing. You see, when you visit someone, you don't have to—you uh, don't have to know what to say. It's fine. It's good if you do. That's fine. But just the fact that you are there, just the fact that you've taken the time out of your day—and it doesn't have to be ten hours. It might be ten minutes. But you've just taken the time out of your day to visit. And you may not have said anything. You may not have known what to say. That's fine. If God wants you to say something, he'll give you the word anyway. I mean, know your Bible and and, and so on. But just take the time to care. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes people will come and talk to you and and, and you'll just listen to them. You won't say anything. And then at the end of of a half an hour or an hour, they'll say, Oh, you've been such a blessing. Thank you for your advice. I'm thinking, I didn't say anything. I just said I'll have, you know, white coffee with one sugar. You know, I didn't say anything. That's the ministry. That's the ministry. My son David and his wife Hannah, David's our Sunday school superintendent. And, and our Sunday school is booming. We have two buses. We take them out Saturday afternoons. Dave and Hannah, they're out there visiting their kids. If not every Saturday, then at least every couple of Saturdays they're out there. You say, does he have to spend an hour on each child's night? No, no, no. Just just a two-minute call. How are you going, Fred? Coming to Sunday school tomorrow? You get to meet. Guess what? Now there are parents coming to church, unsaved parents, because they know that Mr. Dave and Mrs. Hannah, that they care. Want to build a youth ministry? You've got to visit. They're not just going to turn up. Doesn't work that way. You got to visit. Got to have a bit of bulldog about you, just visit. Be nice, but visit. That's what Anisiphorus did. He sought out Paul. You know what it was? You know know what visiting is all about? Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may live like thee. That's what Anisiphorus was all about. Others, others. You say, how do you have a good church? You live for others. You know, someone was the ultimate visitor. Someone came from the glory of heaven and came to visit planet earth. And this is what, it, what Jesus said. He said, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Hey, here, that's one way you can take, help take the burden off your pastor. Now, I'm, I know sometimes the, there's things that the pastor has to deal with himself. Yeah, I, know, I understand that. But you know, isn't it great when you have some Christians who can say, pastor, is there some way I can help you? Is there someone I can visit? Maybe there's someone I can take a load off you and and visit for you this week. I'm nearly done. He wasn't ashamed. He was a great visitor. He wasn't ashamed. Verse 16 again, he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Christians. Don't be ashamed of your church or your pastor. Notice in verse 18, his day of reckoning was coming too. The Lord grant unto him, that's anisiphorus, that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. What day was that? I'm guessing, again, I'm reading between the lines here. I'm guessing that anisiphorus might have been earmarked for the sword as well or the chopping block. And he said, give him mercy in that day. And lastly, his testimony was consistent. Look there, it says, uh, uh, verse 18, and in how many things, now remember, Paul is talking here to Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He says, in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. See, this wasn't something new to Onesiphorus, He was already doing this. When Paul was in Ephesus, he was ministering unto Paul then. And he just followed him all the way, 2,000 kilometres to Rome. He said, I'm going to be a blessing to the apostle. Everyone else has left him. I'm going to stick with him, even if it costs me my life. And he said, Timothy, you know how he looked after me there. He's doing the same thing now. He had a wonderful, consistent testimony. He He was a Christian that didn't go to water that didn't flee when the going got tough for Paul. You know what pastors just want for their people? They want their people to be constant, to be steady, to be mature. It's easy to lead, to, to get in a huff and leave a church. As I said, most people leave a church, get in a huff and leave a church. It's not doctrine. It's not, if it is doctrinal, Well, yeah, you need to sort it out. I understand that. But normally, they get in a huff for whatever reason and they go to water you know we need mature Christians we need people that will stand by their preacher and say yes preacher I'm going to be behind you you don't have to agree with everything he does you don't have to like everything he likes we're all different I've been serving with serving the Lord with my pastor for over 40 years we served for many years in Sydney and then we sort of went like this for 20, 25 years and now we've been back in Coffs Harbour nearly 20 years now 19 years serving the Lord together and him and I, there's a lot of things we don't agree on. He supports the bulldogs. <laughs> Poor fella. <laughs> and he doesn't like buffalo hunting. I mean, who doesn't like buffalo hunting? You know. But, you know, I'm, I'm honoured to serve the Lord, even from a distance. We have about one or two coffees a year together. That we don't see much of each other because I'm not, not, I'm not there very much. But I'm not ashamed of my pastor and even if I don't agree with him I'll say brother I, I'll defer to you you're my preacher I'll defer to your advice your wisdom we just need some solid Christians that don't go to water we just need some Christians that are not like all they in Asia that leave when the going gets a bit tough I hope I haven't preached too, taught too hard tonight I want to encourage you I think the Lord, the Lord can do great things with Good Shepherd. He, he has blessed this church incredibly over recent I mean, I've been coming here, preaching here, I suppose, 23, 24 years, I don't know, 22 years, long time. And I love this church. And I know you're in, like, you're in a transition now. And that's fine. Every church goes through transitions. That's, that's the way of churches. But now you have this awesome opportunity to... Uh, Impact your community. To love your new pastor. To you know to support your old. Don't forget the old pastor. Don't do that. He's a great man, an awesome man, and his family. Don't don't forget. Just be mature Christians. I hope I haven't unloaded too much on you, but it's just, it's, this is what the Lord's given me tonight. Uh, we do robin and i love you people we really do and we're so thankful uh to come up here it's always a blessing uh glenda's cooking is always a blessing um but no you are you're fantastic people let's pray thank you lord for the time in the word of god and dear lord i pray that you'll encourage the church here father as they are in transition to a uh, lord a new chapter bless the church father bring in sinners Save souls, Lord, may disciples be made as we serve you and at the same time listen for the sound of the trumpet. We can't wait to get to heaven, but Lord, we want to be faithful while we're here. Uh, Lord, bless the Lloyds, bless the Halanas, bless the staff here at the church and draw us closer to you, dear Lord. We thank you, we praise you this night in Jesus' name, amen.